So before the podcast begins, let me tell you a little bit about um, how Fish Food Podcast um, got started. Um, it was really born out of conflict and struggle. Uh, some of it was my own struggles as a pastor, um, coupled with over 20 years of hearing thousands of others facing difficult circumstances. And I believe that humble vulnerability is begin- the beginning of not only surviving a hard situation, but actually thriving in the midst of it. And these are stories are um, of stories of real people that are confronted with how to respond to their struggles while learning to trust in God's mercy and grace. And if you like what you hear, three things would be incredibly helpful. One, pass it along. If you know of someone that these podcasts would benefit, please share. We are creating these for that purpose. Uh, Second, become a patron. In order to produce more content, and we want to do video, podcast, and print, we need your support. Visit fishfood.me and click on support and become a patron. If you're like me, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this, you'll put it off and forget to do it. So do it now. Um, as soon as you can pull over or turn off the iron or stop washing the dishes or however you're listening to the podcast, um, go to the website and click on patron. Uh, and then thirdly, if you or someone you know has a story of God's restorative mercy and are willing to share, please write to us. We'd love to hear your story and we might be able to use it um, for a future podcast. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Fish Food, a podcast to provide morsels of hope in a hungry world. I'm your host, Corey Pelton. I grew up in a really, um, just a fantastic home. Um, I joke that it was a very little house on the prairie. Um, you know, a godly mom and dad, long marriage, um, just really fortunate, for a farm in Virginia, a fortunate upbringing. Um, and I assumed that was what life would look like. And um, I got married on that farm in Virginia and um, had a, a good marriage. And um, we're married nearly 20 years, which is a long time, six kids. Um, and about three years ago, um, kind of exploded. Our guest today is Lacey Keegley, a resident of Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. She is a writer and a blogger. You can check, check out her work on travelersrest.com as well as her blog called So Every Day. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it very much for your willingness to, uh, to uh, get together and be in on this fish food podcast. I'm excited to try it. Good. So, inaugural podcast. Yeah. Does that make you nervous? <laughs> no, it's great because I have no one to go um, before me, so whatever I do is just the standard. It's fine. That's right. That's <laughs> it makes right. it easy. That's right. I'd rather always be first than the person following some great other thing. So. That's right. It's <laughs> good. It's wise. Twice. All right. So tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. What you, what you are currently doing? Because you you wear multiple different hats, uh, have sort of an entrepreneurial spirit that yes. all revolves around writing. But so tell me, tell me the different things that you that you do. Sure. Um, yes, they all do kind of revolve around writing. Um, and first and foremost, I raise my kids. I have five kids that are still home. I have one adult, so six in total. But um, one is grown up, and she's married and has two kids of her own. 
Um, so I'm actually already a grandmother, which feels weird. I had to come up with some southern sounding name. I spent way too long coming up with what the grandkids could call me because I didn't want her to be grandma. It's mamma. Did you do a mamma? No, I couldn't do mamma. I couldn't. That's so, good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it was really important to me. So I also wanted one he could say right away. So I ended up with honey, mm -hmm, which I actually good. think turned out pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and it's pretty cute to hear him say it. And then I have five kids at home and I homeschooled them. And so that's the main thing I do. Um, and then um, I write, I've written a blog um, called So Every Day for goodness, probably 12, 15 years when blogging first got started. Wow, and right. um, we had moved to, maybe it was 11 years, we had moved to South Carolina from Virginia and I wanted a way to connect with my family and a place that they could read the things that, you know, at that point I think I had like five kids under five or something. It was a madhouse. And so I wanted to connect with humanity because I was sort of stuck at home a lot with little kids mm -hmm. and I wanted to share what my cute kids were doing. So it started off just kind of writing about them and then it's morphed into something much different over the years. And then I also own a business locally um, called Traveler's Rest Here that promotes um, TR. And that sort of was born also of writing and then also necessity. Um, and um, it was a great fit for me because I already was promoting everything to people about Traveler's Rest. And then I was like, well, I might as well get paid to tell the things I already was telling right. people all the time. I mean, you've, you've sort of become the voice, I think, of in your writing of Travel's Rest. I, mean, I know a lot of businesses, a lot of people go to your site, look at your Instagram to figure out what's happening in yeah. Traveler's Rest. That's, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my goal. That's exactly, yeah, that's it. Thank you. I'm glad. That's exactly what I wanted to be. We, um, like our slogan was that we tell the stories of the people and the places of TR. So we're, um, that's what we wanna, really want to tell is what's happening in TR, but who's happening and who's doing it. And so those stories, that's, I'm, I'm, um, I've worked at newspapers off and on since I got out of college, and um, even one time accidentally somehow landed as the sports writer at this tiny mm. newspaper in North Carolina. I was terrible at it um, <laughs> because I don't know sports, but I know people, and I like to tell people stories. And so I'm much more interested in the story behind something than um, the other aspect. So that's now, this feels like a good niche for me to, mm. to tell the stories of the people in TR, to tell the stories of people in my life on my own blog. So the writing has been a good means to um, make all that happen and allow me still to stay home and homeschool my kids. So it's been a really good fit. And you are, you're, you're a very creative writer. Like you uh, are able to grab people's attention in a very um, earthy, earthy way, a, a, a way that um, uh, it's easy to enter in to hear the stories you tell. Um, I think you do a really good job. And so 12 years doing that, I mean, what's your, what's, kind of following do you have on yeah on I, well it's funny because I'm definitely better at words than I am at um, you know the the back end of um, the website so I'm terrible with the numbers of it and I have tried for a long time not to pay too much attention to it mm -hmm. um, so I don't honestly know how many people I know that um, I mean I can look at my views and and I mean some weeks I'm like oh my word only a hundred people and then sometimes it's a thousand so it just kind of varies um, week by week um, and in seasons. Um, but I think what I've found over and over that seems more important than the, and that's just on my, so every day when the Traveler's Rest here is like 30,000. It's a much right. more popular, um, obviously, website um, and a much larger reach. Um, but what I've found over time is that it matters so much less how many people and much more how invested they are. And I think that's what's been so surprising to me, um, starting off in my own personal blog and then even moving to Traveler's Rest here is that people the engagement is really high. Um, people feel really invested. I've had people who have um, followed my writing for a decade. That's a that's a gift. I mean, that cool. always blows me away. Like they're still reading about the things I'm doing, and 
Um, and, and we've become friends. I mean, I've met people who we've gone on road trips and I've gone to their house and stayed overnight and I only met them through writing. And that's a little bizarre, but it's also really cool that, um, that you can connect with someone and have things in common and then build a relationship that starts on the computer, which feels weird, but then turns into a real friendship um, mm -hmm. because you've made a regular connection. And it, it's kind of beautiful. Do you have sort of a string of theme in your, uh, in your blog? What's the... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lifestyle blog for sure. And it definitely, there are times when it focuses a lot on homeschool. Um, I'd say more often it works. It, it, I mean, there's funny things my kids say and funny things we do. And I do like to be lighthearted when I can. But there's also a thread, I think, of, um, that's been there throughout of Jesus and of faith and of um, going from, you know, a family with five or six little kids, tiny, to, you know, teenagers and, um, and so much stuff in between that's happened that God has worked out on display in my life. I don't know if I'm explaining that well or not. So I think the thread, I think it's mainly my life, honestly, but the thread, I think, is God and um, what he's doing and what I feel like he's doing and sometimes what I feel like he's not doing, you know, over and over on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. That is sort of our lives, isn't it? Yeah. Where are you? Oh, here you are. Where are you? Oh, here you yes, are. Yes, same. And I feel like it's sometimes it's really rewarding because, you know, it's, you see growth. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I was in the same place two years ago. I'm never changing. Right. You know, so sometimes it can be really discouraging. And sometimes it can be like, oh, there's progress. It's mm -hmm. small, but there's progress. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Now, you are uh, in the process of planning for a trip. Yes. Talk about that trip. Yeah, I love traveling. And one of the things I love about writing has been the way that God has allowed it to pay for things, practical things in my life. Um, one of the things I started early on was I would barter for um, things. You know, I would write to companies. I just send these pitches out there and I just write like, hey, I've got these kids and I want to take them to see all the little house in the prairie sites. Um, what if I wrote about that and, and we got to go to these sites for free and I kept getting yeses. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. So I might send out 10 requests and get one yes, but they would come in. And so um, with school, we love to do a theme of, I love to teach in a theme, so like one year we did Little House on the Prairie, and then one year we did um, a series of books by an author named Ralph Moody. I don't know if you've ever read him. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. And at the end of it, he was, so he was this kid on a ranch in Colorado, and at the end, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could go to a dude ranch? So I just started Googling dude ranches Colorado, because that's where he was. And this one popped up that just really appealed to me, and so I wrote them a letter, and they said, yeah, come on, come west. And so, you know, I got in the car with the kids, five kids then, and drove 2,000, well, 2,000 miles like one way. It was a long trip. Um, anyway, so that, so it was a ranch we found out there called Lost Valley Ranch, and we're making our third annual trip out there. So, And um, we have had terrible misfortune in Kansas both times. And so my kids now are... You're driving terrified. around Kansas Yes, so we're literally trying... driving around Kansas really? this time. Yes, the kids um, were all like, you know, we can't go through Kansas again. And, and last year we really thought we were going to die in a tornado. Like we were in a tornado in our car, like, I mean, it was that kind of like moment where like the crazy prayers that I'm hoping other people pray where you're in the car, like hail is pelting the car, damaging it. Everyone stopped on the side of the road. I can't even hear the kids in the back seat from the hail. And I'm literally praying. The only prayer I know, which is then was like, God, like, let us all die together. Like, don't <laughs> leave my kids an orphan. Just take us all up right now. Because I was sure that we were going to die. Like I knew we were like 10 minutes, which felt like eternity and then and then it blew away and then you get to the hotel and you look on the screen and we were in the center of the dot you know so so I told the kids we wouldn't go through Kansas so we're going up to Nebraska and South Dakota 
and we're totally going to scenic New territory, yeah. New, New territory. territory, beautiful places. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we have a map Excellent. where we mark off, a map of the United States that's a scratch-off map. Right. And so you can map, scratch off where you've been. And so we need to scratch off a new state anyway. So now we'll hit uh, Mount Rushmore and see the presidents. Very cool. So, yeah. I think it was fun. your first trip out there that I, I saw um, you know, how you were getting there and, and, and how that all worked out. I just thought that was fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the first year we partnered with KOA, mm -hmm. which was so fun. And then we stayed at KOAs all across the United States. And um, that was dreamy. And then um, the next year, I just for life um, convenience, I think I ended up using a lot of um, credit card hotel points. Mm -hmm. um, and this year, I'm doing a combination of KOAs again and um, some friends who happened to move out of state, which was convenient for me. And then um, oh, a couple other, like um, a castle in Colorado we get to stay in called Glen Airy. It's the home of the Navigators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited Excellent. about that. Um, so we've just used some different resources this time a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun though. Cool. Um, let's talk about um, your uh, life, married life, sure. um, what your dreams were, where you were, expectations, um, things like that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not always great at summing up. I either go to one extreme or the other. I tell every tiny detail or I just like give a sentence and sum up my whole life. So I'll try to meet in the middle. Um, but I grew up in a really, um, just a fantastic home. Um, I joke that it was a very little house on the prairie. Um, you know, uh, godly mom and dad, long marriage, um, just really fortunate, a, for, a farm in Virginia, a fortunate upbringing. Um, and I assumed that was what life would look like. And um, I got married on that farm in Virginia and um, had a, a good marriage. And um, we're married nearly 20 years, which is a long time, six kids. Um, and about three years ago, um, kind of exploded, you know, um, in, in a perfectly cataclysmic way, like one of those, just cataclysmic way. And, um, and sometimes I think it's important to share that part of it because I think sometimes um, you sort of, we sort of gloss over like, yep, it was bad. And, it, and, um, and it's important to recognize that like, no, it was really bad. Like it was, it was really bad. Um, and it's not still bad. But it's important, I think, to, to recognize that, yeah, it's not just like a little blip, like, oh, times are hard. Like, no, times right. are really hard. Um, there was one weekend where everything just blew up, and there was a betrayal um, from my um, husband with a close friend, and it was the weekend of my daughter's wedding. And it was like, it was like all these pieces together that couldn't have been more dramatic. And um, I don't love drama. I really like to live a drama-free life, you know, um, which is tricky to do. But... Um, and so it was, it was almost, if it wasn't my real life, it would have been maybe not comical, but it would have been like a TV show. Like it was like just one hit after the other. Um, and so 20 years of marriage in one weekend, really gone um, and, and unrecoverable, you know, I mean, unrecoverable. That's a tornado. That's a tornado. Yes. It was its own tornado. Yeah. I should call it Kansas. Um, it was, <laughs> it was a mess. It was a mess. Um, and it was really hard and crisis is a funny thing because when you're in it, um, it's almost like you lose, a, I, I think it's God's kindness, but it's almost like you lose a part of your brain or a part of your memory. Like there's, I feel like gaps in that year that I, I really can't remember. Um, and I think that's God's kindness in a way, because if you had, if you could take it all in at one time, I don't know if that you'd get up and breathe the next day. Um, and I needed to get up and breathe because I had, you know, five kids and I had, um, you know, uh, so I had to figure something out. Um, 
and I'm sure we'll get into this, but for me at that moment, I think, and, and especially now looking back, you know, I'm three and a half years removed from that. Um, God's kindness was all over the situation in the people who came and just, mm. and the people who were already there, even timing-wise because of the wedding, um, family out of town, people who were literally physically at my house who could just feed the kids and take care of me and manage details and things that I I wouldn't have known what to do. And um, I think a lot of times of women who are in my exact same situation who don't have a community like that, and um, I don't know what they would do. I don't know where I would have been if someone hadn't been saying, I've got this, you do this, you do this, and telling me and directing me, and I just went and did for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and that was critical, huge. I mean, it was, it was salvation that weekend and for many, many months afterwards. Now, the weekend you're referring to... Which the, the, the weekend that's that the weekend it all that, like, blew yeah, up. Like everything blew up. Like, so it's like yeah, a funeral. Like I mean, it, it, yes. the way you're explaining it is, you know, it sounds like because when somebody dies, you don't know what to do or think, and the surrounding of yes. family comes in, swoops in, and helps you bring the meals, and yeah. we've got this covered, and you just, yeah. Yeah, a funeral is a perfect um, way to describe it, and I've, you know, since then I've had um, a couple friends who've gone through divorce, and I've read a lot and. Um, and I think a funeral is a perfect way to describe it. It's a death. Um, and I've not experienced the death of a spouse, so I don't want to speak to something that I don't really understand. I have experienced the death of my mom, which was really difficult and really tragic. Um, but I, I do think a, a spouse death is different than a parent death, I'm assuming. But, but I've heard people say that divorce is worse than death. And um, in my own experience, I can say that feels true. Um, because it is a death. It's a death of um, what you imagined you'd have, of what you did actually have, of what you wanted. Um, and it's a death that is sort of, I don't know, I, I've sort of, I've spoken about this before, this idea with um, friends of mine that, for example, when my mom passed away and she had cancer and it was really tragic and, and she was much too young and it was very, there's a lot of suffering and really difficult but it was not done against me. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about um, divorce, and especially when divorce ends in this way with a betrayal, it's, it's, it feels purposeful. I know that now it's a little bit less about, I know it's less about me and more about um, even, you know, um, in the kindest way I can say it, my former husband's own demons he had to fight and his own things. I know it was more about him and less about me. Um, in some sense, but it doesn't feel that way. Sure. And it certainly doesn't feel that way at ground zero. And even three years later, it feels, it is personal. It right. feels personal. And it is. And so that makes it feel um, like a purposeful death, you know? So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of dying to a lot of things that happen that are really hard. Mm -hmm. And that's to put it mildly, really hard. Right. right. <laughs> and, you know, mentioning ground zero. So what, you know, initially when the news broke that weekend, what were your, and, and even, you know, soon after that, what were your initial fears, um, responses to it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was going on in, inside? That's a great question. Um, I think there's, there was shock and there was also like, man, there's so many feelings. I think a numbness and a disbelief and it's like those steps of grief, you know, they, oh, they kind of happen faster in some ways, but there's an anger for sure. Um, and then, a for a person like me who's kind of um, a fixer and a doer, there's a, 
oh, I better run around in circles and fix this. I, I could say the right thing. I could do the right thing. I could change. I could, you know, this sort of like, let me throw these solutions, and, and there weren't any solutions. I mean, that was obvious really quickly. And um, so there was a desire to sort of fix it, and then there was a desire to, to, to make it go away, to ignore it, to pretend it wasn't real. Um, also impossible. Um, yeah, so those are some of the first thoughts. And honestly, it just was a um, how do I breathe kind of thought. So there was sure. some, at the beginning, it was just like, there was no thought. Like, I don't know how to get out of bed and, oh, how do I wash my hair? Like, I mean, it was just sort of like a numbness. Like, I don't know the next thing to do. So I think swirling all those thoughts all at the same time. Right. You know, it was a, just a lot. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever have hope? Did you ever go, okay, here's my circumstance and maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll yeah, um, I think because of the particular way this happened, I did not have any real hope for a saving in my marriage. I don't think I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just it was really clear that there was, I mean, there were maybe glimmers and moments, but mostly no, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for the marriage. Um, I did, I, and I think having so many kids, um, I I definitely had hope that my life wouldn't be horrible forever. And I don't know how to explain that because at first I did not even have that hope, but there was somewhere underlying, and I I mean, I'm going to assume that that hope is the hope of Jesus, but at the time I don't know that I was real clear on it except just knowing that I, I didn't know what good or what Mm -hmm. life could look like, but I, I didn't want to die, you know? which was good, I think, because sometimes right. in those circumstances, I think you feel like you just want it to be over. Um, I, I definitely had moments where I thought, you know, it would be good if Jesus just returned. That would be good. Let's just have that happen. Right. Um, but I think having kids and really enjoying them and enjoying motherhood as deeply as I do, I knew that there was hope in them and hope in a tomorrow. It just felt real far away. Right. Yeah. So once you've, you know, got some distance uh, between the, that weekend and into this now single mothering, yeah. Um, what kind of what kind of negative reactions? I'm, I'm gonna go negative here a little bit before <laughs> sure, we go positive, sure. but <laughs> some negative reactions because uh, you know I, I just kind of know how I would feel that I would just be probably bitter and angry and how could you and and how did that and kind of tease out a little bit how some of those reactions affected you and affected yeah. other people? Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely can see the desire to be bitter and to be angry, and, and it's been a, a struggle I've definitely worked through. Um, <clears throat> I've seen different family members and different friends um, go through things and become bitter, and I had a real strong sense already that I didn't want to be that person. I didn't I don't know why, but I've always lived with this sense that time passes really quickly. Mm. Um, partially because uh, my oldest daughter is has about a 10-year gap between my next daughter, and so I was able to see really quickly how quickly her life, how quickly she was out of the home, how quickly it passed. And I mean, she's adopted and um, was six when we met her, so I felt like I only got a portion of her life anyway. So I think early on in motherhood, I was able to see that life passed fast. Wow. And um, one thing I've always clung to is an unwillingness to become old and just live with regret. So there was always a heavy part of me, even in the hard, where I was like, I don't want my kids to remember mom as a bitter, angry person. So that played heavily into my desire to, I don't know, be something else. Um, Real quickly, someone at my church got me involved in a a class called 
Redemption, and we should probably look it up to remember the real name. It was a book that I'm mm-hmm. slipping my mind. Maybe you've heard of it. Sure, yeah. Um, like it's a work. I'm trying to remember like the a, author, but I can't remember I the know, author. I say Mike something. Yes, it is Mike something. Yeah, right. So someone quickly um, lined up, and, and they were teaching this class at my church. It's like an 11 week commitment. Um, and it, I, I would actually say it probably saved and changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to go to the class, but literally someone kind of swooped in and said, "Class is on Monday. These people are going to babysit your kids for 11 weeks. These people are going to bring you a meal for 11 weeks. Wow. You're going to show up." And I just did. And I didn't want to go, but I don't know why. I felt like I knew I should. And it was like a really horrible group therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it kind of became the family joke. Like I would come back on Monday nights and one of my kids would say, Mom, how was your class? And I would say, it was terrible. I'm really glad I went. Um, and they'd kind of laugh because it was always terrible. And I was always glad I went. And I spent um, most of the time staring at the people's shoes in my small group because I didn't want to look at their faces because it was all so hard. Um, but one thing I really worked through there in that book, Redemption talks about, like it, it basically is comparing your, or t- walking you through exile with the Israelites. And, um, and going through that study um, allowed me to see that I had definitely held out this idea of what I absolutely believed God owed me. Mm. I lived what I really thought was a good life. Like, I love to follow rules. If the sign says don't walk on the grass, I'm not going to walk on the grass. It's fine. Um, even though I have these other things I like to be a rebel about, um, I also am fine with following the rules. And I also really had this heavy sense of, like, almost like God is this bank. And I put in, you know, um, my deposits. And I was faithful. Uh, I was obedient. I, whatever these things are that I thought equaled. And um, I thought, in turn, God really owed me. Like, he really owed me a happy marriage. He owed me a long marriage. Like, I was doing the right thing, and I was really mad at God. Um, And that class showed me that I was as mad at God as I had been at my husband um, for what he had done, and more mad. Like, I was holding God accountable. Like, he really owed me. Um, And going through that class really helped me to see that, like, how, I mean, the danger in that and um, the wrongness of the way I thought. And, And I had really wanted to sort of see myself as just a victim. Um, it was much more comfortable to be like, um, you know, everything's happened to me. Um, and going through that class helped me to realize, like, yeah, that's not how it is. Um, and I kind of joked, too, I ended up at the end of the class. Um, you had to write a psalm about your experience. And um, it was a really, and of course, words are my baby. It's what I can do. <laughs> and so um, I wrote this psalm that, for me, was really meaningful. And it ended with this word, nevertheless, which I ended up getting tattooed on my arm by the end of the class. Um, and it was this idea that... Um, you know, I mean, it's the idea of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's saying, you know, I don't want to do this. Like, you've given me something really bitter, a bitter cup, and I don't want it. But nevertheless, I want to do your will. And walking through that, I think it was 11 weeks, I can't remember the class, but walking through at the end, I felt like I was saying, God, you've given me a really sour thing. Like, like this is the worst. I wanted something different. I wanted my kids to grow up in a house with two parents who loved Jesus and loved you. Um, I wanted, I wanted to... to I wanted all these things, and you gave me something I don't want, and I don't like it, but I really do want to do your will. And I don't know what that looks like, but I, I'm here saying I'm, I'm willing to figure that out. And it was a big deal, and I think it was really critical that that came early on for me, so it didn't, I didn't sit in a pile of bitter. I mean, I can still, who can't? Who can st- I mean, sure. I can still sit there on a night when things go south and, you sure. know, you know, feel sorry for myself, that's for sure. And sanctification's a process. That's a long, slow process. And, yes. and yeah, we back up and we move forward. And But it's progress. It's progress. And it is a process. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, and you've probably seen this a lot in other avenues, but, you know, when you've gone through something, 
you suddenly hear about other people who've gone through the same thing you've gone through. Like it's like, say you, you find this car that you like and you think no one has it and then you buy it and everyone's driving the same car and you're like, what? Um, and so I feel like since divorce, I've met so many women who either, even if they're not divorced, maybe their husbands have had an affair or they've gone through something or they've had an affair. Um, and I, so I get these emails now and phone calls and texts and, um, and I kind of have developed sort of this line. I feel like I always say to them um, that, sort of is in, I think, three parts. And I mean, one, especially if it's the woman who just is finding out these things about her husband, one thing I always tell them is just, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it just breathe. Like, just breathe. Like, you have just a job. It's sure. just to breathe in and breathe out. Um, to sort of erase all the other stuff, because there's this ground zero and you just have to live for a little while. I mean, the other thing is that I always tell them, like, you're so normal. It's so normal to feel all the things you're feeling. Anger, normal. Absolutely. You know, numbness, yeah. normal. Um, bitter, normal. Like, these are normal. And then the other thing I love to tell them, um, and I tell my teenage daughters now, like, like what you're feeling right now is real, and you will not always feel that way. I think it's so important to remember that, like, the awful will not last. Because I think that's when we give up hope. That's when you don't wake up the next morning. That's when you can't get out of bed. Like, like as terrible as it feels, it is not forever. And that's, like, sort of the message I always want to tell women, or, I mean, it happens to be more women I speak with than men, but that that it's not forever. Like, it feels like it is. Right. But that's such a lie. Right. You will not always feel this bad. Well, and to be able to say that, because, you know, the circumstance didn't change. Right. You know, but the the accompanying feelings of despair and bitterness and all that doesn't have to remain, doesn't have yeah. to stay the same. It, it does. There is relief. There are good days, good yeah. months, good years. <laughs> yeah, yes, and I think that's so important because you're right, that circumstances have not changed. Yeah. I'm still divorced. Right. I'm still a single mom, right. and I still wouldn't pick it. I still would rather, even even now, three and a half years later, I would pick a different story for myself and my kids if I could. Right. But I don't hate my life. But I would pick a different one, but I'm not unhappy. Like, those are both true. So good to hear. I mean, okay, so um, your best life now. <laughs> Um, or, you know, which we're hearing so often right now, yeah. and this, you know, the idea that your life is going to always be joyous or happy, or at least that's the goal for that to be. Um, or, you know, I remember when I was in college, the abundant life of Christ was sort of twisted to be um, a relationship with Jesus will make your life rosy and shiny. Mm-hmm. In larger territory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But so, so what does true abundant life look like to you now? Ah, that's a great question. Hard to sum up. Um, I think, oh man, I think um, the hope, there's a quote by Elizabeth Elliot, I believe, and I love her, and it says something like, it's not me in different circumstances. I'm going to mess up the quote, so I should stop. <laughs> um, but it's, it's Christ in me. And I think that is like, like, I, I still, again, would pick a different story, but it's been such a gift to when all is removed, and it really felt like everything was removed, um, I, I still had this comfort of Jesus, that he understood, that he was for me, um, that I was valuable, I was more than just a rejected wife, I was more than just a left-behind person, um, and that did not always feel true. Um, I wish I could explain it better, um, or 
you know, have a, have a way to explain how that happened because, I, I mean, it is God, <laughs> um, Jesus. And, man, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to think back through how I can explain that better. I'm not, not wrapping it up like sure. I'd like to. But, sure. um, but yeah, it's, it is a steady underlying hope that, um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like you're saying cliches, but when the bottom drops out or the stuff hits the fan, you know, they're not actually cliches. They're really steady. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so grateful that I had them. You know, that, that there is, um, I don't know, like my son wrote this little thing on, on his wall that said, like, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Like, that's where my hope comes from. Like, there's this steady hope, and it is a little unexplainable. It's a little mysterious. It's, I mean, I think that's what faith is, a little mystery. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think you come face to face with a mystery when all your life looks like a fallout zone and you're still standing and you're kind of okay. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how you're okay. I mean, <laughs> but you are. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that explains it sure, enough. Sure, sure. It's great. Um, speaking of your kids, you wrote in uh, your blog, one of your posts, I think it was one of the divorce diaries mm-hmm. number or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember which number. And I think it was earlier on, but, um, I think you were the, saying something about one of the one of the greatest fears, one of the greatest tragedies that you were um, fearful of were your kids. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, are you are you as fearful or um, have fears for them throughout this divorce um, and all the stuff that came with it as you were early on? How's that changed? If it has changed, it's definitely changed. Um, It is still the greatest sadness of the whole piece of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. for sure. And um, I don't know that that will ever completely change. Divorce is broken. Um, It's broken, you know. I mean, and that's true of so many things that we all live with: cancer, and um, I mean, losing your home, whatever. Things are broken. The world is a broken place. Um, Early on, I had a, a good friend tell me that this wasn't plan B for my kids. And it really bothered me. I thought about it Mm. a lot. And she's like, this is the plan A. Like, this is the path God is using to bring your kids to him. And it made me mad. It still makes me a little bit mad. Um, But the more I think about it, I can see what is possibly the truth in that. Um, I would like God to have picked a different path, for sure. It still is um, painful, and in lots of ways, it's more painful for my kids than it is for me Mm. Um, in some ways because they still really long for a unified home, and they're not going to get it, and that's really sad. Um, And and I didn't know what it was like to live with broken at 12, at 8. My kids do, and I would pick something different, um, but I don't get to. And... Again, for a person like me, that simple sentence is a big deal. I don't get to, and to be okay with that, to breathe after that sentence, it was really hard um, because I am like a figured out, you know, fight against it, like stand up, you know, whatever, and I, and I can't, I cannot fix this. Um, and I do think I am less fearful than I was because of time and seeing some changes in them and seeing that even though there's been really, really hard things. My kids have had some incredible growth that I didn't even touch until I was in my 20s maybe. I still would pick different. I don't want my 
10-year-old have to grow deep in Jesus. But at the same time, I actually do, right. you know. Um, nevertheless. Nevertheless, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've seen that in them. I've seen them come together. I've seen them recognize, you know, to see hard things. And, and I've seen them offer grace and kindness in ways that I haven't been able to offer yet. Um, and so I definitely have hope for them. I still fear, like somewhere in the back of my brain, I'll have these fears like, okay, what's this mean for their future marriages? What is it going to look like for them when they sit down and, and want to face commitment? Are they going to be afraid? Are they going to be like, I don't know. They don't know. And we don't know in a, in a perfectly lovely marriage. We don't know how that's going to work out for our kids. Um, but so the fears are less. I don't know that I'll ever be a totally fearless person. You know, that's a hard one for me. Um, but I'm definitely less fearful than I've been and less fearful for them for sure. I think there's hope. Um, I think it's just like we said earlier, it's always, I feel like that, um, there's always both all the time in my heart, you know, the hope and the fear all the time, the good and the bad. I like my life. I wish it was different both all the time and the same for them, but definitely progress. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing I see over and over that there is progress and a hope that if I've seen this much growth and change in three and a half years, definitely why would God stop doing that now? Like, why would he change the way he's been acting? You know, he's not a changing right. God. So that's hope too. And right. that promise. The uh, passage that has been a huge solace for me over the years, very simple, you know, Philippians 1, 6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. You know, and just I cling to that. Going, he's going to bring this to completion. It's hard. It's, um, it's yeah, I mean, our, our lives aren't the way we would necessarily choose the path mm -hmm. to be, but he's bringing it. And it makes us ache and long for heaven. Yes, which is not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. <laughs> There's a verse That's in right. Isaiah, I want to say 46, maybe 12, um, that I just really loved lately. And, and it's about um, where he's saying, like, I'll lead, the, I'll lead the blind in ways they don't know. And I think we've been blind. My house, we've been blind since this happened. And he keeps leading. And I'm always surprised. And I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning when I'm lying in bed and I think, well, what's it going to be today? You know, is today the day that this new thing happens or whatever? Like, I don't know. And sometimes I go to bed going, hmm, nope, it wasn't today. <laughs> um, but I love that promise that he's going he's gonna to lead us. We're blind, but he's going to take care of us in paths that are, we not only can't imagine, but are good. Um, I just am always a little surprised and sometimes frustrated at what he calls good that I'm not always on board with yet. <laughs> right, right, right. On board with yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> So what are your what hopes? What's in front of you now with job, with what's yeah. on the... Um, I mean, I think we're kind of just on the same path. Um, we've got just in our own family some changes coming up. We're looking to move houses, which is um, both hopeful and, you know, it's, it's the same. That same um, thing in your hand where there's a little bit of a death to a kind of dreams I wanted and then also a fun opportunity to maybe have you know, new things and um, new memories and new roots and things, and that's good. Um, but really we're, I mean, on a trajectory of, of hopefully staying the same for a little while, <laughs> maybe not any wild changes for now. I mean, we've got, you know, I've got, I'm going to have two kids in high school next year and that's different. And that means, I mean, I feel like my time is shrinking and shrinking with them. Um, I mean, my youngest is about to turn nine. Like I, I just, I have three teenagers now, like, you know, like life <laughs> is changing so that I'm holding on for all that. Um, but that's also been great fun, and I've been very encouraged to have teenage kids. I think I, I think we live in a society that says, oh, man, teenagers are the worst. They're so scary. 
They've been such a fun time. It's been the most fun time for us. Yeah. I love the teenage years. I love them too. And I'm so grateful. And um, I like my kids. Yeah. You yeah. know, I like them. Yeah. They're cool kids. They're interesting and funny people and I like them. Um, so I think I'm just looking forward to more days, honestly, where, um, I don't know, more sunshine, less rain. You know, and I see that trend and I'm hopeful that it continues. I don't, I don't have any major um, changes or plans on the horizon, which is nice. It feels good to sort of be like, yeah, we're just going to kind of Good. Go forward and live for a little while, and that feels good. Drive around Kansas. <laughs> Just drive around, yes, drive, <laughs> circumvent Kansas, <laughs> for sure. Great, great. Yeah. Lacey, thank you for, for being brave. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great, uh, great form. It was easy to do. Second Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Those who are interviewed in the Fish Food podcast are people who have uniquely received God's mercy in their situations and have been willing with humble vulnerability to share that mercy uh, with the public. I want to say a big thank you to them for their bravery. May God bless them and bless their ministry to others. Be sure to visit us at fishfood.me and uh, do those three things that will help you and benefit us. One, share these podcasts with those uh, who may benefit from it. Secondly, become a patron. Go to our website, click on support, help us to continue this. And then thirdly, if you know somebody with a story of God's redemptive mercy, the restorative mercy in their lives that would be willing to tell their story, shoot us an email. Uh, the the uh, ability to do that is on the front page of our website. Thank you very much.